What's going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. What a week of football we had. Oh my goodness, this was the best witching hour the entire season, possibly the best NFL Sunday of the entire season. Oh my god, tons of great games, and I'm here to recap all of it for you guys. Outside of the NFL, there wasn't too much going on, but plenty to talk about with the NFL. And in Scott Hansen's 200th episode, we have the best witching hour of the 1 o'clock games of the year. That was awesome. You know, I actually got to go out this game this Sunday. Uh, celebrate. I know, was going out uh, to a little public place, and it was nice being in public for a sporting event again. The energy that you sense in a public place, it was so awesome. And I just, I missed being in public for a sporting event. It really, really is special doing that. And actually, this place didn't have red zone, so I do feel bad. I didn't get to watch Scott Hansen. But oh my God, having. Almost all the games on. I'm staring at, first I'm staring at Derek Carr. And then I'm, I'm staring at Matt Stafford. staring at Mike Lennon. I'm staring at Matt Ryan. All trying to lead comebacks around the same time. It was just insanity. And I cannot wait to talk about this witching hour. But the first thing I need to talk about are the New York football giants. That's right. This was the biggest win in the last four years for the giants. And I'm so amped up. I'm stunned. I'm stunned that we that we won in Seattle with a backup quarterback. I, I couldn't I still couldn't believe it. I honestly didn't think the Giants were gonna cover the 10 point spread in this game. I obviously was not gonna bet against them. I really wanted them to win this game. But oh my god, Giants, what a win. This defense is unbelievable. We have to protect Patrick Graham at all costs. Protect Patrick Graham at all costs because the way he's coaching. That dude is gonna be able is gonna get a head coaching offers. He's taken this defense and has turned him into one of the most fearsome units in the NFL. We have to protect Patrick Graham as Patrick Graham at all costs. I mean, Leonard Williams. At the time, we hated the trade. We were wondering what Dave Gettleman was doing making that trade, but he's been great all season long. Two and a half sacks on Russell Wilson yesterday. Dominated that Seattle offensive line, and you love to see it. And this defense too. It is a pretty, like, ragtag group of defenders. This is not a defense that's filled with high-name guys. You have Nico Lelos, the fumble recovery. His second straight week, he forced a he was part of a turnover. This guy was just on the practice squad before the Bengals game. You have Mr. Irrelevant, Tay Crowder. He had six tackles. All these guys are playing roles for this defense, and it's why, and it's just why we've been so good this year. And it's amazing because, again, outside of Bradbury and Blake Martinez, None of these guys were highly touted, highly paid guys. Uh, doubt, you know, I don't think anyone on the defense is drafted in the first round currently. You know, McKinley is, was a second rounder. He's just coming back. You have Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a second rounder. And this Giants defense, hats off to them. And they, they, they did what I said they needed to do. I said, you have to get after Russell Wilson. You can't let him run around the pocket and do his little Russell Wilson things. And that's what the the defense did. They sacked Russell Wilson five times. Again, Leonard Williams with his two and a half sacks. 
What a performance, and I am so amped. You know, Russell Wilson, he did his little bit of scrambling and making some throws about scrambling. He's going to do that. He's Russell Wilson. But but the Giants did not allow him to do that all game, and that's a big reason why we ended up winning the game. And they limited the the deep play ball. Yeah, Metcalf stole 80 yards. He stole five catches. But it's not like Metcalf was getting burnt, was burning the defense. Lockett didn't. Lockett was locked down most of the game. What a per- what a performance! I still can't believe we won this game. I'm so happy. I mean, first off, you see the game. Seattle they get their field goal early in the first quarter. It's three nothing. Actually, the bar put the by the time the bar put the game on, it was three nothing. We didn't even get to watch the first Seattle drive. And then I'm locked into this game, watching the Giants play Seattle. Great, watching their defense shut them down. Getting frustrated at Evan Ingram for the turnover. But for the most part, I'm watching the first half. Impressed with the defensive performance. Wishing we had Daniel Jones. Because Colt McCoy was just not getting the job done at the time. The block punt right before the half. And it was like, oh, no, this feels like floodgates might just blow open. But no, the third quarter, here we come. Here comes this much improved offensive line. I'm first off. Look, Seattle's defense is not very good. We've known that. They've been, like, historically bad. But this was still a team with our backup quarterback and backup running back in. And the offensive line blocked great, creating a bunch of holes for Wayne Gallman, who continues to play excellent. You know, Wayne Gallman runs hard. He comes out of the game to get some rest. You bring it after Morris. He runs in the touchdown, does the home run celebration, having me thinking it was 2012 all, all over again. Love Alfred Morris. Love to see that. Just love the way this offensive line has been playing. And I am thrilled, really thrilled about this team right now. Actually, I want to make a 14-5 and 17-5 reality setting in that, oh, my God, we might beat this team. We might beat this team. Seattle gets the ball back. And Giants get that big sack on third down from Leonard Williams once again. But then you know, then it's fourth down. You see Russell Wilson scrambling, scrambling, you know, he's going to chuck up some bullshit. That's what Russell Wilson does. You've seen it time and time again, but nope. Incomplete on fourth down, Giants take over, and Giants win. I still, I'm still just shocked. I'm so hyped about this defense. I still can't believe, with our backup quarterback, with Colt freaking McCoy, we go into Seattle, and we pull off the victory. Biggest win of the year, biggest win since 2016. I am so proud of this team. Obviously, Seattle, they have some calls for concern now. Their offense had a, had a lot of issues to create, had a lot of issues all game. Russ wasn't hitting DK and Lockett all game long. The offensive line wasn't protecting well. But again, I think this game was much more about how good the Giants' defense is than, than the struggles of Seattle's offense, which outside of this game had, was the top scoring offense coming in. And outside of this game, the offense really has not been that bad. But what a performance. And again, we have to protect Patrick Graham. Leonard Williams, I'm starting to think we might have to re-sign you. Obviously, you're going to be expensive. But, oh man, what you're doing for this team right now is something special. Bradbury, I love you. You're such a good cornerback. You were worth every penny this offseason. Blake Martinez, I hope you're okay. G-Man, what a win. Daniel Jones, come back next week. And I'm so excited. Because look at the next four games. I think we're going to kick the shit out of Dallas the way we're playing right now. And that leaves, uh, obviously, three tough games against Arizona. Still a, you know, still a tough team. Still a really complex offense. The Browns, the Ravens are still two of the top teams in the league. 
I think we take at least one, at least one or two of those games. And honestly, I'm fine if we just take one of those games because I still think six wins gets us this division. But let's go, G-Men. Moving on to some of the other games, uh, Texans-Colts. I actually didn't get to watch too much of it, at least in the second half. So I went out for about for the second half of the 1 o'clock games and to watch the Giants game. Oh, back up for talking about the Giants. At that bar, I was leading the Giants' energy. I was hyping the place up for the G-Men. Everybody was loving my energy, including an Eagles fan. Uh, by the way, your boy went 7-3-1 and with his bets this week. Because I'm just, I'm that mess with it. I'm just, it's good to be a good better. Uh, Texans-Colts, like I said, I didn't get to watch much of this game. I watched a good amount of the first half. Uh, while I was at my house and watching it on Red Zone. And that first half was crazy high scoring. Then they, it was the only game that they didn't have on at the bar, even though it was a crazy game. And Watson was driving down the field at the end and had that fumble. So I, I don't have too much of a takeaway from this game other than the fact, other than I guess I didn't really miss much because the, there was two total points in the second half. The Colts defense continues to play lockdown football in the second half. And the Texans just continue to struggle, and their pick might go to the Dolphins. But for that reason, the Texans are going to fight every game. Dolphins-Bengals. It's a boring game. Bengals, they score that big touchdown early in the game, and there their offense just didn't do anything. Honestly, like they had that game out of the bar, and I'm watching it. I feel like the offense was not doing anything, really. I mean, the Miami offense also didn't do much either except kick field goals. It was a lot like last week's game against the Jets where they won with pretty average subpar play. But, hey, they're not complaining. I know that. And the Dolphins now sit at 8-4 and four and in prime position to make a playoff run. Here comes the gauntlet of their schedule with Bills, Patriots, Raiders, and Chiefs coming up in their next four games. Uh, Browns-Titans. It's time to take the, the Cleveland Browns seriously enough with sleeping on the Cleveland Browns all right in their biggest game of the season in the biggest game of the season for the Browns they stepped up and they did what they exactly what they've been doing all season they ran the ball extremely well against this Tennessee defense and Baker Mayfield was phenomenal also the last two games he hasn't he hadn't thrown a touchdown a lot of it doing a lot of it because of or a lot of it was because of the poorest weather. Uh, he, he hadn't been throwing the ball great recently, but oh my God, what a dominant performance from the Cleveland Browns from start to finish. And this this was the, the style of football that they've been winning with all year long. Establishing the run again with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who are the best running back duo in the NFL. Open up the play action, and you just see how well Baker played with it, connecting with Rashard Higgins, Peoples-Jones. Really, this offense continues to open up and expand using more of his arsenal. And then right now, also, they're playing behind the best offensive line of football. Wyatt Teller, now that you see the difference that he makes now that he's back from injury. You have Joel Batina, I'm not sure how you say his last name. J.C. Treader at center. Jack Conklin was an unbelievable signing for the Browns this offseason. He's been arguably the best tackle in football all year. And Jedrick Willis, what a great first-round pick for the Browns. And this offensive line has led the Browns to have one of the best offenses in the NFL, nobody's going to want to face this team in the postseason, especially with how hot they are right now. The Titans' defense, we, we knew they are horrible, but my God, they were bad today. And the offense wasn't even that bad. The issue for them was the turnovers. Again, a lot of the time the Browns win these games from forcing turnovers, from forcing other teams into turnovers. But, and exactly, but the Titans did the, or not but, 
but and the Titans did exactly that. The Titans turned the ball over, gave the Browns a lot of opportunities to win this game, and they, they built off that. You had the Derrick Henry fumble early. You had the Ryan Tannehill t- interception early. Browns capitalized off that, and just what an unbelievable win for them. The fan base has to be happy because even though they were coming into this game 8-3, and three, they still have Titans, Ravens, Steelers, Giants, and four of the last five games. Did, no one knew how this team was going to be entering December, and now at 9-3, and three, this team is a reason to truly believe they're a playoff team. Saints-Falcons, Taysom Hill was great. He passed the ball extremely well. He was creating the, a lot of plays with his legs. And he made a case for the quarterback of the future. This Saints team, they might be the second best team in football, including ahead of the Steelers. I've talked about this, the Steelers and the Colts defense a lot on this show. Is I, I consistently say one or the other is the best. But I think it might be the Saints with the number one defense. Uh, until Atlanta scored late in the game to make it 21-16, their defense did not allow a touchdown in 42 consecutive drives. So this defense is... Legitimate, legitimately a great defense. And the offense is playing efficient. Kamara's playing better. Michael Thomas is getting back into the thick of things. And no one wants to play the Saints team, including the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Matt Ryan almost led the comeback. It was, you know, he was driving down the field, didn't get the first down in Saints territory, goes back, goes back to the Saints. And then this is Atlanta gets the ball back. Matt Ryan, Hail Mary, incomplete. Uh, Saints win. And Saints now moved up, I believe, 8-0 the last two years without Drew Brees now. Not losing a game without him. It's just a testament to how great of a coach Sean Payton is and how deep this roster is. This might honestly be the year where they don't face heartbreak in the playoffs. And that Matt Ryan drive was just the start of this crazy witching hour. Because I turn turn my head at times during the game and I see the Lions in the red zone. And I see the Lions score a touchdown. And, but they're obviously, they're, they're giving the ball back to the Bears. Need them to force a three and out, get the ball back and drive down the future for a miracle win. I take Lions money line in this game. And then, you know, after the Matt Ryan drive fails, I turn my head, and all of a sudden, I see a replay. Mitch Trubisky has just fumbled the ball, and Matt Stafford just get, gets a touchdown from the, from the five-yard line. What a comeback. Lions stunned the Bears, and it was just madness. I mean, what what a just horrible all around, a horrible play call to throw it. You run the ball in that situation. I'm pretty sure the Lions were out of timeouts. I forget how many timeouts they had, but regardless, you run the ball. You force them to use their timeouts, okay? This is one of the worst run defenses in all of the NFL. Actually, they might be the worst run defense in the NFL. There's zero excuse for throwing it there. I don't get what Bill Lazor, I don't get what Matt Nagy was, was calling there. But it was just dumb. And this team is absolutely pathetic. The Lions, they end up winning this game. As bad as their defense is, they stop the Bears late and end up winning. What an unbelievable win for them. And Mitch Trubisky, this is on you too. Look, you, he didn't play horrible. But Mitch, throw the ball away. I know it'll stop the clock, but you know, potentially throw it away. Take the grounding. You see the defender. Hold on to the ball and take the sack. You can't be fumbling in a situation like that. That's the one thing you cannot do is fumble when, when your coach is calling a pass play on third down to try to steal the game. Unbelievably boneheaded play. Stupid. I'm glad the Lions win because I have the Lions money line in this game because I know interim coaches always win their first games. On the TV right next to this game, I'm watching Derek Carr. I'm watching him like Matt. I'm watching him have a failed drive and have to, much like Matt Ryan did, and have to force a three and out to get the ball back. 
in which they do. See him hit an overthrow or miss, an, miss the pass on an overthrow before he finally hits Henry Ruggs. The bar went nuts, including Jets fans. Jets fans were thrilled that their team was about to lose this game, that they were about to falter. Now, it would have been 0-12, and they was going to put them in the running for Trevor Lawrence. This entire place went nuts. I was thrilled because I had Raiders money line in a parlay, and I had Raiders minus half a point in a teaser. Oh, my God, that was just electric. And being in a public setting for the first sporting event for the first time in months was awesome. Just the way the entire bar erupted was truly amazing and special. And this was just such a Jets way to lose. I mean, first of all, you bring in the all-out blitz, Greg Williams, which, bye-bye, Greg. Uh, <laughs> bye-bye, you get, you get, he got fired today. What the hell are they doing bringing in all-out blitz? That was, like, the first time that's ever happened in that situation since 2006. Oh, my God. What an embarrassing play call. What an embarrassing way to lose. I mean, it seems like the Jets are clearly trying to tank, right? I mean, this game was literally trying to tank. Clearly them trying to tank, and hey. It's working. Jets look like they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. I even said this was the one game they can win, but wow. And then to complete the craziness, I'm watching Mike Lennon. And, you know, this game's in the corner of the room. It's hard to see. But I see Mike Lennon. He leads the drive to tie the game up. And unbelievable. And this is all like a two-minute span, like all happening at once. It's crazy. Back and forth. And, you know, I I have a lot of money on these games. I have the over in this Vikings game. So I'm sweating it out. Looking back and forth at TV and TV, sweating out these bets, sweating out the, the last leg of my parlay, sweating out the last leg of my teaser. I watch Dan Bailey miss the field goal, and then I'm heartbroken. Then I watch the Vikings have a shitty first possession in OT. They give the ball back to Jacksonville. Glennon turns it over. I knew right then and there I was going to win my bet. The Vikings were going to win this game. And what a performance. It was a slow start for the Vikings before a great second half, much like last week, which led to an unbelievable overheating late in the game. What a fantastic game. And just what a, what a great ending to a 1 o'clock reaching ever. We needed that overtime football. Uh, Now moving on to the 4 o'clock games, which obviously didn't have as good of a witching hour. Most of them were blowouts. Actually, all of them are kind of blowouts. You had the Cardinals who played horrible. And I was going to take the Rams minus 2.5, but the kid I was with talks me into taking the Cardinals. I knew the Rams were the right pick. And the offense was phenomenal. You know, Ken Akers, you know, people were expecting him to be the number one running back for the Rams. He was brilliant today. Finally takes over as the number one running back they expected him to be. You have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They both played really well. Arizona's playing catch-up the entire time. They just looked horrible. you got to be worried about them now. They're 6-6, six and six, and they're a Hail Mary away from just from being a 5-7 and seven team. Now they're going to New York, which, who's a streaking team, is now on four in a row, whose defense is playing phenomenal, whose defense is built to stop this Arizona, defense, Arizona offense. Plus, Arizona's playing really poor in the 1 o'clock game, so... I really, really, really like our chances in this game against the Cardinals next week. Uh, they play, you know, and then they have again against the Niners, who are streaking. They play the Rams again, and the Eagles, who they should beat, but you never know. And just for the Rams, people are sleeping on them as a Super Bowl contender. They have a great defense. They have a great coach in Sean McVay. This team needs to be taken more seriously because, look, the offense is fun. They have a, I mean, Sean McVay is an offensive genius offensive play calling genius the running game has been solid all year with acres now malcolm brown daryl henderson whoever's doing it 
They have the best defender in football and the best cornerback in football. Recipe for a championship. It's time people stop sleeping on this team. Uh, Packers Chargers or Patriots Chargers. Chargers were favored in this game, and I saw that. You have to hammer the Patriots' money line. You think Anthony Lynn was going to beat Bill Belichick? <laughs> I mean, it was a miserable performance for the Chargers. Cam Newton throws for 69 yards. Good homage to Gronkowski. And the team puts up 45. Gunner Ols... 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 Ols- I don't know how to say his last name. No, next great Patriots point receiver with a special teams touchdown and even a receiving touchdown. Good win for the Pats. And Lynn looks like he's just a dead man walking. And the Pats are alive! You know, it might be hard for them to make it, but they are alive. Another blowout game. Eagles, Packers, Wentz continued to struggle and got benched. Hertz came in. He really didn't do anything special, although had a little bit of a spark for the offense. This which really didn't do anything. Rodgers and Adams, they did what Rodgers and Adams do. Balled out. Like they have been all season. And just... Yeah, and just Jones was awesome too. The Eagles are in a free fall, and I love it. Kansas City, Denver, weird game, just very defensive. I like Mahomes and the Chiefs were making plays offensively. They just were not scoring, and the Broncos were able to kind of hang around all game. But you kind of knew they were never gonna actually do anything dangerous because no one trusts Drew Locke. He's just not that good. Uh, Melvin Gordon played well, but other than that, this offense was. Pretty porous. Uh, Tim Patrick stepped up, but Mahomes just slaying the ball. Another 300-yard game. The one touchdown that Tyreek Hill, who did a flip actually, or excuse me, the one touchdown that Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill did another flip. And the Chiefs are just so much better than the Broncos and continue to be the best team in football. That's about it with recapping Sunday football. Uh, I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna before I get into college basketball. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Monday Night Football games, but before those games start, I'm currently recording at 4.03, I'm going to make my predictions. I predict that the Steelers are going to you know, take care of the Washington football team rather easily, and then that later tonight, the 49ers beat the Buffalo Bills. Tomorrow, I have the Ravens beating the Cowboys. I think I picked all these games last time, and a little announcement, I won't be having a pick em show for next week's games because I will be in Columbus over the weekend. But I, uh, all right, I will come back after the Monday night games to talk about them. All right, the Monday night games have officially ended, and I was wrong about both of them. Washington goes into Pittsburgh, absolutely stuns them with an upset victory. The NFC East is quite possibly a good division now. You have Washington and New York. Both pulling off big upsets on the road against playoff teams in Seattle and Pittsburgh. And, you know, everyone now wants to get on Pittsburgh. Oh, Steelers are frauds. Steelers are frauds. You have to give hats off to this Washington team. Getting behind 14-0 before coming back in the game. I mean, Alex Smith, what a story for him. Two years ago, almost has to retire because of a serious leg injury. Looks like he might never play in the NFL again. Comes back. And the, the comeback itself was an amazing story. And eventually, he's back in the starting role. And now he's this Washington football team on a three-game winning streak and tied for first place in the NFC East. And this defense is just so good. Chase Young continues to just be a beast, getting pressure on Big Ben all game long. Montez Sweat, he had the big tip pass late. 
Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, really limiting the Steelers' running game. I mean, this Washington defensive line is just insane. And right now, Washington and the Giants have two of the best defenses in the NFL. Honestly, I thought this the winner of this, winner of this division was going to have six wins. It's honestly looking like the winner's possibly going to get seven wins. Uh, the Giants and Washington football team can both easily go two and two down the stretch. Hoping it's the Giants because it's obviously you know three tough games against teams currently fighting for playoff hopes along with them. So it'll be tough. But Washington also has tough games, and they have Seattle. They have Philadelphia, who's still going to be tough because there's still Philadelphia. And you can throw records out the door in a rivalry game. They have Carolina, who they should beat, and they also have San Francisco, who will be an interesting game next week for sure. But wow, what a big win for Washington. And it looks like the Steelers might be for a fraudulent football team after all. Who knows? Uh, and then the other game, Buffalo. Josh Allen just was dominant all game long, throwing that rock deep, hitting his guys. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even just him and Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, all the Buffalo receivers were stepping up and playing terrific yesterday. What a win for the Bills. They're clearly one of the five best teams. Look, the Steelers are still a top five team. It probably goes Chiefs, Saints, Packers, Steelers, then Bills. Setting up a big Sunday night matchup for them next week. And Niners are still alive. You know, easier games coming up. They could be Washington. Then they have to play against... Uh, who are they playing right after that? They are playing against the... Uh, wow, I just not even don't even remember who they're playing. Oh, Dallas. They have Washington and Dallas back-to-back. Two very winnable games for them. And then they play Arizona, which would be a big game, especially with a slumping Arizona. San Francisco is still alive in this playoff race. They just missed their chance to jump into a tie right here. But, hey, they have to give hats off to Kyle Shanahan for the job he's done. Getting this team to 5-7 and seven with all the injuries they have is remarkable. And I'm excited to see what this team does down the stretch of the season. And I'm excited to see how good Buffalo can finish because I've been saying they're a Super Bowl contender. And when Josh Allen plays this way, they are probably the second best team in the AFC behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen playing as good as he is right now and playing like he did in the beginning of the year is better than Pittsburgh. Uh, that's about it with the, with the NFL. Quick college basketball recap. Uh, Shaka Smith, he lost with, with his hair now. Uh, so I guess he's officially no longer undefeated with hair, which means I can pick against him. Uh, didn't really the I watched a little bit of that game during football. They didn't have it on where I was at, so I didn't get to see the end of it. But good win for Nova. They kind of needed it after that loss to Virginia Tech and the bit of their slow start of the season. Wisconsin gets upset by Marquette. Unbelievable game. I said this was a trap game for Wisconsin, and sure enough. They do lose to Marquette. Wouldn't be too worried. This is still a great team. They're just trying to find their footing in their young season. Wisconsin's known for starting slow, it feels like, every year. Unfortunately, we didn't get Baylor versus Gonzaga because of two positive tests in the Gonzaga program. Like John Rothstein says, stay positive, test negative, please, because that's disappointing. Really wanted to get that one versus two matchup. They're going to try to reschedule later in the season, so... Even if it's not one versus two, it'll still be a great matchup. Uh, that was really it. Not too many big games over the weekend. But we have a big slate of games coming up, especially with the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We have 
Ohio State Buckeyes playing Notre Dame. Notre Dame has played a gauntlet of an outside conference schedule thus far, and they've been a team that they'll beat the bad teams, but then they'll lose to the good teams. Last year, they had a solid record, but no solid wins on their resume. I think they have the shooting to contend with Ohio State, especially with Ohio State's strength mostly being their inside game and their size. That being said, I really like this Buckeyes defense, and I like us to just physically bully Notre Dame inside and us to win this game by feeding guys like EJ Liddell. Plus, Seth Towns is set to possibly make his debut tonight, so really hoping the Buckeyes can take this game. I have Duke over Illinois. Really excited for this. I mean, you have Osunmu, you have Cockburn, both great players for Illinois. They're, they're honestly might be favored in this game, and they're one of the rising teams, one of the Favorites to win the title this year. Coming into the season, you have Duke, who's obviously Duke. Historical program, one of the best programs in the history of college basketball. They're off to a struggling start, so it'll be really interesting to see if they can pull off the upset over Illinois in a situation where you never thought in a million years Illinois would be favored to beat Duke in at Cameron Indoor. But that's the reality. No fans is really going to impact these Duke home games. UNC versus Iowa. This is going to be a, tr- a fantastic game. You have Luca Garza against that physical UNC inside with Garrison Brooks, Leaky Black, Deron Sharp. They're just absolutely huge inside UNC, and that's how they beat teams. But I just think Garza is going to be way too much to handle. And again, a lot of UNC's defense comes from the inside play. It's going to open up a lot of perimeter shots. Guys like C.J. Frederick, Jordan Westcamp. Bohannon, they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to step up and hit their shots, which I think they will, and it's gonna lead to an Iowa victory. I have Virginia Tech beating Penn State. I think this Penn State program, without their head coach, especially firing him so close to the season, is gonna be going through some change. They haven't been tested thus far yet, although they did have a nice buzzer beater against VCU. But I like Virginia Tech to continue their upstart their their hot start to the season. Uh, Rutgers biggest test of the season in Syracuse. Cuse is rebuilding right now. They've struggled against um, teams that they know they should be better at. The zone isn't what it once was. But this also feels like a Syracuse game where Syracuse gets these wins against good teams to boost their resume and would lead to them getting the march with like 10 or 11 losses. That being said, I really like this Rutgers team a lot. I think Geo Baker is also set to come back tonight. So I like Rutgers to win this game, but this feels like a game where Syracuse could pull off the upset. Uh, I like Maryland over Clemson. I like Michigan State to beat Virginia, especially. Look, Michigan State has played well against Virginia historically, and Virginia struggled against Kent State. They lost to San Francisco. So they, their defense has not been great, especially from defending the three-point land, where Rocket Watts has excelled this, thus far this season. So I think he'll end up being the X factor in this game and what makes the difference for why Michigan State will end up beating Virginia in this game. Plus, Michigan State's defense has been really good, and I just don't trust the UVA offense at this point. I have the team up north beating NC State. Uh, Florida State over Indiana. Florida State, a lot of their team is built off dominant perimeter guard play, and that's what Indiana specializes in. So I think that's why FSU takes care of Indiana. And outside of the Big Ten ACC Challenge, we have Kansas versus Creighton. And Creighton's been off to a hot start this year. Lots of talented players, a potential sneaky favorite to win the Big East over Villanova this year. I'm really, really excited for this game. And with Kansas struggling offensive, offensively early, I like Creighton to pull off the upset in this game. I mean, 
It's obviously in Allen Fieldhouse, one of the toughest places to play, but much like with Cameron Indoor, completely different place without fans. So give me Creighton in the upset. Uh, that's about it for college basketball. Talking college football. Uh, obviously the game is this week. Ohio State, first off, is playing against the team up north, starting up as 30-point favorites. I believe it's the largest spread in the history of the game, which is just insane that we're fair by this much to beat that team up north. Uh, I'm actually going up to, Anna, or to Columbus for the game, seeing my friends for the first time in a while, and just you know having a little fun and tailgating. So for that reason, I won't be doing a show this upcoming Thursday. So I want to preview that game. I mean, there's still a chance it might not happen, although uh, the Wolverines are set to resume practice this week. Obviously, they had to cancel their game last week, and there's a chance that the game might get caught off. But as of now, it's on, and the Buckeyes are going to win this game, kill them, punch their ticket to the Big Ten championship game, and secure their spot in the college football playoff this year. Much like they, they already should have done last week, even if this game does get canceled, they showed last week by beating by beating Michigan State. We're clearly a top four team. We the Ohio State was down twenty something players, four of their five starters on the offensive line, and put up fifty two points. I mean, I don't. You can say whatever you want. Oh, it's Michigan State. It's Michigan State. They're not that good. Well, hanging fifty two points on a team without a number of guys is really impressive. You've seen Clemson struggle when they when they've had not a number of guys. You've seen Florida. You've seen a lot of teams if they're missing players on scholarship struggle against teams they should beat. Ohio State did not skip a beat without their top players. Uh, staying in the Big Ten, big win for Indiana without Michael Penix Jr. Uh, defense is legit, and Tom Allen might, might have be building a good thing in Indiana for a number of years to come. And you had the Mullets versus Mormons, Coastal Carolina versus BYU. Fun game between two undefeated mid-major schools in the end. Coastal Carolina won. BYU is heavily favored, but Coastal Carolina proved that Zach Wilson might not be as good as everyone thinks he is, although he did play really good this game and put off the upset. It won't it won't get Coastal Carolina into the playoff by any means, but it certainly increased their chances of getting a New, a new Year's Six Bowl. Uh, that's about it, everybody, uh, for this week's episode. Once again, I won't be recording this week due to being away, and... I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Remember, follow if you want to follow my latest game updates, check out jbirdseyeview on Twitter. If you want to know when episodes are being dropped, go on Instagram, the Birds Eye View Podcast. Again, take care, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day.